As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On this episode, hooray, the takeover is just about complete. Changes afoot in the academy, we revisit our pre-season predictions and there's a four-way quiz available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic for the final time this season. This is Straight out of Cobham. New era for Chelsea and a final SOC of the season means it's a full house today. I'm Matt Davis-Adams. Alongside me, I've got Simon Johnson, Liam Toomey, Dominic Fifield, and Sam Parkin. Hello, all. How Hello, Matt. Do we have government approval for this podcast? Oh, well, I mean, yeah, possibly. Uh, for months, you've heard us say there's only one place we can start today. Blah, 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 blah. Takeover. Uh, well, hopefully for the last time, there's only one place we can start today. Blah, blah, blah. Takeover. Right, some breaking news to bring you now. And the UK government has issued a licence that permits the sale of Chelsea to the Todd Bowley-led consortium. After almost 20 years, the Roman Abramovich era at Chelsea is almost over after the sale of the club was approved by both the Premier League and the government. The government have granted a licence for the club's £4.25 billion sale to go through. The Premier League club was put up for sale in March before its owner, Roman Abramovich, was sanctioned over his links to the Russian president, Vladimir Putin. Uh, so at long last, the British government has approved the £4.25 billion takeover of Chelsea by a consortium led by LA Dodgers co-owner Todd Bowley. The news came out hours after the Premier League had announced that the consortium had passed the league's owners and directors test. So it, that's that's it then, Simon, all done and dusted? Yeah, get your party poppers out. <laughs> yeah, we're just, we're just awaiting the, um, the official announcement. But yeah, dotting the I's, crossing the T's, it's... The new era is about to begin, and um, I think as I signed off from the last pod, <laughs> all of us can't wait for that for for us to talk about something else. Uh, Liam, you've written about what is first on Todd Bowley's to do list. I mean, from from your perspective and and from everybody's, really, I guess, is the overriding emotion just relief that that you can start to report about football. You know, Chelsea followers will feel that the club is safe, and and yeah, we can move on. Yeah, I think as from a journalist perspective. I think we've all just got a bit bored of this story. It's even though it's been moving at apparently a breakneck 
speed, according to club takeovers, um, and especially considering how complicated this all is, it's just felt like an absolute marathon. And so for for us, from well, for me personally, I'm excited to start covering the stories that will emerge from here. You know, the more conventional football club stories, who they're going to sign, what they're going to look like next season, who's going to be making the decisions. Those things are much more interesting to me than has someone greenlit uh, this massive, complicated financial transaction that everyone's been arguing about for three months. So, And from, from the fans' perspective, it's clear there's been a lot of fatigue, an awful lot of fatigue with all of this. And I always thought Chelsea were going to be fine. It was in no one's interest for, to let the club go to the wall, but clearly it has been a stressful time for, for supporters as well. And now there is finally some certainty. Moreover, it's a relief for the club employees, isn't it? I mean, I yeah, would have absolutely. thought, given all the, the members of staff that have been fretting over their futures and their future employment and their, the freelancers as well. It's yeah, important. thanks for the shout out in the piece, Liam. I did appreciate that, uh, <laughs> Sam and I. I'm sure. Um, Sam, if you're Cesar Azpilicueta, are you banging on, on Todd Bowley's door and saying, what's happening with me? Am I staying? Or are you just kind of, we'll give it a couple of weeks, see how things settles. Players don't really want to be that involved with owners anyway, do they? I think that's probably changed the landscape a little bit. I think they, that there's relationships there that maybe weren't there you know, 10, 20 years ago. Um, I'm not so sure. It doesn't, doesn't feel like he's 100% made his mind up. I'm sure the, the guys have probably got a bit more better insight than than me but no you'd probably allow him to just get his feet under the door and um and then go and then go knock him but I think everyone should be excited I'm sure the supporters are it sounds like it's going to be a very different approach and it's been a a brilliant trophy laden last 20 years roller coaster but I think everyone would be optimistic that this new look Chelsea in time can be back challenging and um, yeah, excited, really excited. You know, I think my my friends at Chelsea supporters are really enthused, and um, yeah, waiting to see who they can bring in. I suppose first and foremost. Well, let's get to some questions that have come in via Twitter. I'll put this one to you, Dom. I think it's a really good one from Jonathan, who asks: If the Todd Bowl era ended in nineteen years' time, how would we define it as being a success, and what would need to happen for us to compare it to the Roman era? Is it winning more league titles, a move to a new stadium, the reduced turnover of managers, etc.? Um, the general theory is it's not going to be wildly lavish as it as it was in the Abramovich days. So, how do you define success in this brave new world? Is a really good question. Um, I think when people look back at Abramovich, Abramovich's time, they 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 will choose to ignore the nine hundred grand that was lost every single week, effectively, um, over that nineteen-year period, um, and look at the number of trophies claimed. I mean, that that's the silverware that was the most probably going to be the most glittering period in Chelsea's history. It will the the Bowley Clear Lake era will be going pretty well to eclipse the number of trophies um that that Abramovich secured for Chelsea so maybe maybe it does come down to um stadium development stability a different kind of culture within the club um whether that be managerial yes stability on that front um longer terms i mean I don't, I don't even know whether that's in the modern game whether that's very common anywhere particularly you know do, do managers stay more than two years at most clubs probably not these days but 
but maybe maybe more more structure in 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 that sense more longevity more um more long-term strategy and also more sustainability financially you know a, a business that that i mean clear like clearly are going to want to make a return eventually they're not going to want to hemorrhage money in the way that that they did under abramovich uh, the point was made that that maybe Abramovich should almost run Chelsea as a hobby and and Clear Lake will run it as a business, um, which will have implications on the pitch and off the pitch. But I still think it can be a successful and 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 brilliant period in in Chelsea's history. Um, and it's exciting. It's exciting because it's new and fresh and different. Simon, here's one for you. I know that you, you did some reporting on the um, the stadium rebuild really as part of the Ricketts bid. James asks, what's the likely timeline for work to start on the stadium rebuild, which was an integral part of the takeover bid? Is, it's going to happen fairly soon, but but maybe not at the very top of the list of priorities? I wouldn't have thought it was the top of the list, no. The, the first sort of thing to address is the squad. The squad needs rebuilding more than Stamford Bridge does. Um stadium technically there's nothing wrong with it is there you know yes it's a bit old doesn't look as bright and shiny and lovely as the Tottenham Hotspur stadium does but we're talking about you then you look <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been bright and shiny for a long time um, <laughs> certainly not new um, could do with some investment but um, <laughs> <laughs> might take quite a loan though um, not too many anyway. hedge funds lining up to put money <laughs> yeah. into uh, to the Johnson brand at the moment. Naming rights. What would the naming <laughs> rights be? Uh, right, anyway, let's get back to the question. <laughs> um, I'll blame that on Dom. Right, um, yeah, so, look, this is a really complex subject. Yes, I, I, I spoke to who was going to head up the, the Ricketts redevelopment plan, and they, the guy that I spoke to was sort of saying this is really, really complex. This is not going to be sort of this summer they sit down and start knocking walls down i'd be very surprised if they if they start doing anything in the first year to be honest because they've got to come up with their own plan um if they go stand by stand which is probably the most likely option that they choose to do um and yeah that is a really really complex project i mean i'd be quite interested to know from chelsea fans what would their priority be you know, because it's very difficult to have a brilliant squad and a brilliant stadium at the same time. There's a couple of London clubs that can uh, vouch for that. So, what what is their priority? You know, would they would they sacrifice success on the pitch for a lovely stand to sit in? I I, I think, given that Chelsea sometimes, even when there were no um, restrictions on ticket sales, struggled to sell out games sometimes you know is the demand there to justify a huge ground i I'm, i i think uh, if i was a chelsea supporter i'd be wanting the uh, the new owners to invest in the squad first and anything else is a bit of a bonus well that leads me nicely on to this question from mikhail liam who says how quickly can the club start offloading slash buying new players after the takeover uh, as soon as it's rubber stamped, I assume Thomas Tuchel's going to be uh, knocking on the door saying, here's that list of players that I gave you. Let's get some of them. Well, in theory, they can start having conversations and making making moves for players immediately. Um, and especially if 
they keep the current football structure in place. So Marina Granovskaya in charge of player transactions and the scouting network headed by Scott McLaughlin. I know uh, they've got quite a polarising reputation among Chelsea supporters. Chelsea's recruitment has been a bit erratic in recent years, some, some hits, but some very big misses as well. But given that the transfer window is upon us, this is not the time for new owners, particularly new owners that don't know European football. You know, Todd Bowley's an experienced sports owner, but he's he's got a baseball background. He's not it's not immediately transferable. So I think they, they will be trying to rely on on the people that are already here to to help Chelsea hit the ground running in this market. They're already they're already playing catch up on a lot of other big clubs. And they've got a lot of work to do, as uh, as we can see, looking around the squad. So I think there probably will be changes to Chelsea's recruitment operation in the sort of medium to long term, because I think Bowley and Clearlake will absolutely evaluate the efficiency of every single department of this club and, and look at ways they can streamline it and, and from a cost point of view as much as anything. But in the short term... I think for Chelsea to get done what they need to get done, I think they're going to lean on what's already in place. There you go, Rob. That answers your question about the bonuses paid to Buck and Granovskaya being early golden handshakes or expected to stick around. Sounds like they might be sticking around for a while at least. Our next question comes from S. Parking. Yeah, I was listening to some chaps on an athletic podcast, far more intelligent than me, and they were speaking about um, American owners specifically buying... European clubs and having an effect on the playing style. Um, I wasn't a, a huge follower maybe of Thomas Tuchel before he came to Chelsea, but do you think that that could be a possibility to kind of mirror what Liverpool have done and in teams in the Bundesliga and make Chelsea a bit more energetic, front-footed, uh, high-pressing? Liam? Um, I think what what we might see is you know, probably what they have in mind when they're talking about Liverpool in particular is a joined up recruitment operation with the play style. So you're recruiting players that can play a certain style of football for a certain coach. And Tuchel comes from that high energy German school. And so he is kind of at the, he is, he is in the most progressive branch of European football coaching at this point in time. The problem is quite a lot of this squad aren't necessarily best suited to that, to playing that way or to the system that he's currently got in place tactically. So I think what we'll probably see over time with the new owners is they'll try to rejig the recruitment system to, to serve a certain, a, a certain vision of how they, how the team wants to play football that will certainly be informed by the way Tuchel coaches, but also, if one day Tuchel leaves, maybe they hire a coach that thinks along similar lines. Whereas in the past, it's, it's felt like every Chelsea coach has been the opposite of the previous one. Uh, and and that has created problems all of its own. So, yeah, I don't know if that's a full answer, but I, that's the best answer I come up with. And it kind of leads me into our final question, which comes from Andrew. I'll put it to you, Simon. How long will it take to implement the winning, efficient growth and value-led culture that Bowley... And the guys love. It sounds like Bowley's going to be a lot more hands-on than Roman Abramovich. So you'd think that the dots will be easier to join from that perspective, kind of down the food chain toward Thomas Tuchel, and that ought to help in that regard? Yeah, I mean, I think 
I think some perspective um, should be applied here. I don't think we're going to be seeing Todd Bowley on the pitch every week like, like we saw last Sunday. Um, he's got his own job to do. He actually, when um, when I wrote the piece about Todd Bowley a, uh, a month or two ago and, and, and found sort of things he said in the past about how he runs not just the LA Dodgers, but, but, but companies generally, he's talking about, I find the best people to run it and let them get on with it. And I think there's going to be a strong element of that. Yes, he's, he's certainly going to be the more vocal member of the of the board compared to some of the other faces, like the Clear Lake Capital guys. Um, but as, as for sort of how successful they'll be, I mean, I mean, I'd love to have a crystal ball, but I think that the reality is is that they're taking on two of the best sides in Premier League history, and I think. Despite you know the the feel good factor of winning a Champions League, Chelsea still haven't been able to close the gap. Yes, they they were obviously mitigating circumstances through the season, but the gap basically between them remains the same. That consistency level, and that comes down to the squad. We've we've touched upon already sort of how much work needs to go into this squad, both outgoing and incoming. It's going to take more than one window to fix. So I think Chelsea fans have to be realistic here. Um, I'd be very surprised if this time next year, um, get the quote ready, loose. <laughs> play this back to me next May. But I'd be very surprised if Chelsea are winning the title next season. Very, very surprised because as good a manager as Tuchel is, um, the golf and quality is 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 huge in terms of that consistency. They're a good side, Chelsea, but becoming a consistent league winning side and, and been lucky to lucky enough to have seen five sides win the title under Abramovich. But yeah, there's quite a bit missing for them to bridge that gap. Dom, are you going to allow that? Simon's just walked all over your Dom's predictions corner. I'm, I'm judging by what's about to happen when we go back to the pre-season <laughs> predictions. I'm more than happy for this. Yeah, go for it. Quite so. Simon, have my mantle, please. Just take on, take it on. <laughs> we know, we know who the real king of predictions is, and it's Lucy's dad. And you know it's serious when Lucy's writing in the shared doc in all caps. She's put, "My dad said Chelsea won't win the league again in his lifetime." Three exclamation marks brackets. He is old now. Close brackets. Which is. Um, Sad for a number of reasons. Uh, so let's move on <laughs> from the takeover and finish with some fun. Later, we're going to do a quiz. Next, though, we're revisiting our pre-season predictions. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
All right, so way back when, aka the start of the season, producer Lucy produced a series of questions designed to humiliate us slash give us something to look back on and chuckle at at this stage of the season. I can now reveal the questions and how we answered them. Uh, so we'll do the questions one by one and then I'll give the points taken. I don't remember this. I don't think this happened. <laughs> the first question, who will finish higher in Serie A, Maurizio Sarri or Jose Mourinho? The answer was Sarri, as predicted by Liam, Sam and Dom. So nil points for me and Simon there. Uh, the next question, <laughs> who will score more goals? Tammy Abraham, Olivier Giroud or Michy Batshuayi? Obviously, Tammy was the runaway winner here on 27. The other two got 14 each. Me, Simon and Liam on point here. Dom and Sam went for Michy Batshuayi. <laughs> 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 oh man, that 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 deserves taking away two points, let alone a bit of Palace bias there, I suspect, <laughs> from Fifield. Uh, question number three: Who will finish highest in the Premier League? Mark Gurhey and Conor Gallagher, Armando Broya and Tino Livramento, or Billy Gilmore? Gurhey, Gallagher, and Palace was the correct answer here. No surprise, that's what Dom plumped for. Uh, kudos to to Liam. The rest of us thought it'd be Southampton. No so way. points there, yeah. Uh, and related I'll to that... I blame Hassan Hull. Related to that, which of those players will make the most Premier League appearances? The correct answer was Connor Gallagher, as predicted by Simon, Sam and Liam. Don went for Mark Gurhey. I said poor Billy Gilmore. Remember him? Bless him. Uh, okay, nearly there. Which currently unemployed ex-Chelsea manager will get a new managerial position first? AVB, Frank Lampard or Antonio Conte? There were 10 bonus points on offer here if you could correctly guess the club. The correct answer was Antonio Conte, took the Spurs job in November. Uh, Sam, Liam and I all went for Conte, although we all thought that he would rock up at Arsenal. So no bonus points there. Simon said Lampard to Southampton. Dom said John Terry to Forrest, just to needle me, and then Lampard to Newcastle, neither of which were right. And then the final question, predicted league finishes of the following ex-Chelsea managers, Carlo Ancelotti and Rafael Benitez. Um, none of us <laughs> predicted that Rafael Benitez would be sacked. Weirder still, we all had him guiding Everton to a top half finish. Um, which might just be the, the worst collective prediction I think I've ever heard. Uh, a point apiece here to me and Simon for getting Don Carlo as the top dog in La Liga. Everybody else said that he'd finished second. Yes, Don? Can I just revisit the old Gallagher-Gurhey question? Mm. What, what, was, what was the question? Uh, it would, who, who would play the most games, make the most appearances? Who will make the most Premier League appearances? Okay, what, what was players? the answer? Uh, the answer was Gallagher, he says, frantically checking. No, Gurhi made 36 and Gallagher made 33. Oh, he's brought stats. He's brought right. stats with him. Oh, well, yeah. 34 appearances, 33 starts and one one substitute appearance. Gurhi started 36 games. Well, Gallagher could All comps it was, Matt, wasn't it? <laughs> it all was comps. Premier League. It was Premier League. Even if it's all comps, Gurhey wins. Training sessions, Matt, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I'm wary of this. For you listeners, Dom has picked up the cricket bat. Yeah, and it's starting to be wheeled now. 
Have I lost one of the few points I got? No, you haven't. And actually, I've added it up fine, listeners, so don't worry, it's fine. It doesn't affect the final outcome, um, which is that the winner is not Dom, despite that, although you do get the point. Uh, There was a maximum of 15 points available, but that was if you got the 10, so, you know, none of us did. So, effectively, it was from five. Don't think that 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 Gurhi mistake discredits this competition at all, particularly when I tell you that the winner was Liam Toomey. Who And it actually says this on the spreadsheet that Luce made with these questions at the bottom. There is a quote from Liam saying that making predictions is a fool's game. So either you're a fool or you're good at predictions. One of the two. But well done, Liam. We'll see if you can defend your crown uh, last year. By the way, Matt, uh, Matt, that's me. Simon and Dom got three points. Sam got two. So work to do ahead of next term there. Parking. Um, we'll do something similar <laughs> for next season and, and it'll go just as badly as that did, I'm sure. Uh, elsewhere in Chelsea news, big changes at the academy. It was announced on Wednesday that Mark Robinson will take charge of the development squad next season with Andy Myers moving to work with loan players. Uh, Sam, for those of us who weren't knee-deep in League One last season, tell us a bit about Robinson's Wimbledon. I mean, maybe focus on the start rather than how it finished for him. Yeah, well, he's well, he was part of the furniture at Wimbledon. I think all the way from under a, under tens, I think under elevens, and worked his way up to be the first team manager. And when he initially took the reins, there was a there was a big shift. I, I felt and going into this season that this was going to be a Wimbledon who played a lot more football than the previous regimes. Um, the, initially, they they really picked up doing exactly that. Um, high energy but also took care of the ball a lot more and I think this season probably the the way the results tailed off dictated that Mark Robinson kind of went away from that he was I, I thought badly I don't know if it's advised but I, I felt they were really poor in the transfer market the only one plus really was Luke McCormick last year in, in all honesty so he didn't really have the tools at his disposal hence why he was replaced by by Mark Bowen someone who played a even more agricultural style towards the end of that season so I think he probably went away a little bit from his his ethos but Someone who got a vast experience working with younger players. I'm sure Neil Bath probably has had a long-standing relationship with him going back years, would have known him. And it'll be about improving the youngsters. Um, and he'll have the opportunity to be flexible with his, his systems and formations, which he wasn't at, at Wimbledon. He was a kind of 4-2-3-1 man. But he did integrate a lot of younger players into the side, which obviously I think was the remit at Wimbledon this season. So... Um, Listen, I think those Chelsea jobs for people like Andy Myers is kind of like a three-year cycle is how they do it anyway. So, you know, Andy wasn't going to be in that job for five, ten years. That's not how they work it under Neil Bath. They kind of move around and there's obviously been a bit of a reshuffle, but he comes with with good pedigree of working with younger players and I'm I'm sure he'll be a great addition. Just a quick add-on because Sam touched on it right at the end there. Don't forget that Chelsea, there's been a few that have left the loan technical department as well. Chelsea have lost Flo, Ferreira um, and so on. So inevitably there was a, there was an easy sort of wave to make this shuffle work. And it's a very important job, you know, being part of that loan technical department, dealing with the kind of players that, that Andy's going to be already worked with. Um, so he's already got that relationship going. So it makes a lot of sense from his point of view too. I know he's uh, he's he's steeped in in Fulham. Actually, he started his 
his career in the youth team at Fulham um, as a player and then and then was released um, actually started coaching again once after setting up a soft play center with his wife uh, for, for children locally in Earlsfield but but he does have a connection with with Chelsea from from back in the day in that he used to do voluntary work with the uh, shifts as a stadium tour guide at Stanford Bridge so he has got that that loose connection, um, but he, I, I went and saw him early early in his time at Wimbledon when he had made made such a great start actually um, behind closed doors in the in the lockdown season, um, and I'm, it's sad to see how it all petered out so badly uh, this time round. Uh, he's still he will always be cherished, I think, at AFC Wimbledon for the work he put in there. But but I think he, as 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 the boys say, I think he will make an impact at, at Chelsea and enjoy working with the the younger kids there. Yeah, he's obviously got an incredibly strong character if he can not only visit a soft play centre, but actually work oh, there and stay there for a long imagine time. Imagine cleaning the ball pool every oh, day. Oh, dear. Horrendous. Uh, so good luck to him. Uh, and for Andy Myers, let's not forget he led the, the under-23s to the PL2 title unbeaten in 2020. Uh, no surprise, Emma Hayes has been named the WSL manager of the season. Sam Kerr got player two. Congrats to them. And to Tammy Abraham, who was part of the Roma side that won the UEFA Europa Conference League on Thursday. Liam, you were telling me his buyback hasn't kicked in yet, but as and when it does, will you be proposing a swap deal between him and Lukaku? Havertz. Havertz. Well, <laughs> I, I do wonder if Roma would be prepared to match Romelu Lukaku's wages. Uh, <laughs> I, I can imagine that might be a big stumbling block. But uh, The manager at Roma might be a bit of a stumbling block as well, thinking about it, if he's still there. That's a good point. A very good point. Yeah, so the, the buyback price is £68 million which isn't cheap. It's significantly more than Chelsea let him go to Roma for. He's kind of looked like uh, a £100 million striker in Serie A, if, certainly if Romelu Lukaku did. Uh, I, I struggle to see him coming back if Tuchel is still at Chelsea, given the way everything ended um, and the way Tuchel seemed to just completely give up on him months before he eventually left. It just seems very, very far-fetched to me that Tuchel would have changed his opinion of Abraham enough and that maybe Abraham would would be willing enough to come back and play for Tuchel uh, for that transfer to happen. It's it, Which is sad in a way because I do think Abraham is good enough to be a number nine for Chelsea and I think he's shown that at Roma and he's rounded out his game in some important ways as well. But the key thing for him is that I think he's, he's got a very, very bright future ahead of him. Yeah, he's in the England squad alongside Fikayo Tomori. Remember, you can read that brilliant piece that Liam did uh, with Tomori after he won the Scudetto at the weekend on the Athletic now. Rhys James and Mason Mount also in that England squad, as is the aforementioned causer of controversy, Mark Gurhey. And Conor Gallagher. And, and Conor Gallagher, yeah. It's a, it's a Chelsea-heavy squad that Gareth Southgate has picked. Uh, Charlie Missonde has announced he's leaving Chelsea after 10 years. The Belgian midfielder's career has been halted by a serious knee injury. He's 25 now, hasn't played since August 2019. Last appearance in a Chelsea shirt in the EFL Trophy. He scored in a 4-0 win at Swindon in August 2018. He made seven first-team appearances for the Blues, scoring his only goal on his full debut against Forest in the League Cup in September 2017. 
Uh, Sam, you and I saw a bit of him in the in the Chelsea youth team. Really sad that this injury's had such a devastating effect. I guess for him, it's it, it's going to be about proving that he can still do all the things required of a professional footballer, i.e., train full time, play full time. It's not going to be about getting into an elite level club again, is it? It's just going to be about getting some some games under his belt. Yeah, sad story, really. How it's kind of you know unravelled over the last couple of years because there were real high hopes for him. Someone who was probably you know, ahead of his his peers for for a period, um, and getting his first team battle. Yeah, technically very good. Could kind of glide past people, couldn't he? In his his younger years, always had an eye for a goal. I was probably at that Swindon game actually when he was kind of almost at that point. You felt rebuilding a little bit, having having maybe lost his way and had a few of those low moves that hadn't been particularly productive. So, yeah, just needs to 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 go away now and, and find a club to build himself up again and uh, and hopefully have a successful career because he's been a bit in the wilderness the last few years. Just in case um, some some listeners sort of don't really know or know much about Masonda or how good he was being tipped to be, I wrote a piece about a year or two ago um, and I spoke to um, his sort of youth coaches at Anderlecht and they were talking about him being one of the best youth products they've ever produced. I mean, we sort of, that they had, they they were expecting him to be sort of like one of the big European stars um, right now, by now. So um, that's the kind of level of player that, okay, injuries um been a massive factor, but he was struggling to make strides before he got injured and struggling to fulfil that potential. But they actually expressed quite a lot of regret that he moved to Chelsea too soon. But that—that's how sad a story it is in terms of if you're Charlie Masonda, you you were expecting to be a a major player on on the, on the biggest stage, and and now he's just struggling to find a club. It's um it's very sad, and I just hope that somehow uh, he gets a chance somewhere, and he and he does sort of get to show what he can do because in terms of ability, you're talking about a guy that can take a player on and beat them and and have all that flair and skill, the kind of player that that the fans pay to watch. He was one of three brothers as well, I think. That, mm-hmm. that His dad Chelsea was a pro as well. as well, yeah. 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 Big big footballing lineage. Well, I'm sure Chelsea will do all they can to help him find a new club. They are generally pretty good at that when they, uh, when they let people go. All right, before we finish, let's have a quiz. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. So two questions, a man here, seeing as we're all on board today. Last season, so the season that's just finished, is the theme here. Uh, Liam, here's your first question. How many penalties did Kepa save in the Super Cup shootout? 
stinker to start. How's questions? <laughs> how's question stealing going to work in this? Is it going to be carnage <laughs> with four people? Well, uh, given the way that everybody reacted to that question, I shouldn't think it'd be yeah. a massive problem here. But... <laughs> um, Kepa Aritha Balaga bought on specifically for the shooting. The other thing is a missed penalty is not the same as a saved penalty. No, um, it's not. Oh god! <laughs> I'm going to say two. You are absolutely correct. You get a tick next to your name in my notepad. Uh, Dom, you're up next. I think this is probably the easiest question of the quiz. Uh, Trevor Chalobah and Marcos Alonso were amongst the scorers as Chelsea began this season with a 3-0 win against your beloved Palace. Who got the other Blues goal? Christian Pulisic. It's correct. Said through gritted teeth. Uh, <laughs> Sam, you're up next. You and I were in the Chelsea TV commentary box for the Blues' 1-1 draw with Burnley at the bridge in November. Name either of the goal scorers from that game. I think Havertz scored a header. Havertz is correct. I can't remember if it was a header. But uh, for no bonus points, can you tell me who the Burnley scorer was? Was it Rodriguez? It was not. It was Mate Vidra. Um, don't worry, that wasn't the question. Uh, Simon, who was Chelsea's biggest win of the season against? Got to be Norwich. Got to be Norwich. These questions are far too easy, weren't they? Mm. Everybody's on 100%. 7-0, just to... <laughs> Surely it was. Uh, Liam, this is your second question. Whose first Chelsea goal came in the Champions League in October? Lots of thinking faces going on. Literal head scratching. The way Dom's looking at his screen makes me slightly concerned that he's actually looking it up. But <laughs> I'm, I'm genuinely not. No, he's I'm... just he's just watching replays of Christian Pulisic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching highlights of the cricket. <laughs> uh... I have to rush you, Liam. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> he does this every week, and he'll get it. He'll pluck it from somewhere. We all know there's a certain amount of inevitability about this. Saul? Saul is incorrect. There's a steal possibility and Johnson's the first one with his hand in the air just ahead of parking. I'm going Andreas Christensen. Andreas Christensen is correct. You get a plus one. As soon as I said Saul, I knew. (laughs) Better not call on Saul. I'm going to get so... I'm I'm just uh, glad there was a lot of thinking time there. There was a lot of thinking time. I was flummoxed. All right, well... Absolutely gutted with that. Next up is Dom. This is your second question. <laughs> How many times did Romelu Lukaku complete 90 minutes for Chelsea in the Premier League last season? <laughs> oh, That's a brutal question. <laughs> Just, not because of the answer, but you know what I mean? Not knowing the answer, it's, it's mean, basically a... Yeah. A Romelu, yeah. <laughs> well, is it? Who knows, Simon? It might, it might surprise you. It might be 38. It's not 38. <laughs> Eight. Would anybody like to steal? That's just a guess, isn't it? It's got to be uh, fewer, I reckon. Can I guess? Anybody can shout out a number. Can I? Six. Yeah, no. <laughs> Six is incorrect. Sam? I'll go three. Three is very incorrect. Simon? Oh, very incorrect. Bruce Forsyth. <laughs> It's, uh, it's, it's good having a laugh and a giggle, but if you get this, you've effectively won the quiz. So I'm going to go. So very wrong. I'm going to go seven. You're all wrong. It was eleven, believe it or mm. not, which is a surprise, right? 
Um, okay, Sam, here's your second question. Yep. Who did Chelsea beat in the semi-final of the Club World Cup? <laughs> <laughs> Can he spell it as well? <laughs> oh, I'm not even going to attempt it, I don't think. Um, so it's like, is it fair for me to participate? No, there? Yeah, you can't participate in this one. <laughs> even I remember that one. <laughs> Oh, I'll do one. Al, Would you like a guess before I pass it on to Liam? Al something or other. That's a good place to start. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say hello, but... Say it. Say it. Oh, hello. Is it... Yes. Is it... <laughs> correct. How have I got that? <laughs> Did he... That's funny. Uh... If you want to say oh, hello, just say it. Oh. There's always a chance <laughs> it will be right. <laughs> okay, here's the final question of the quiz then and it goes to you Simon you're already on two so it will either be a tie uh, or well actually it won't be if Sam pinches this but if you get it of your own accord you Mm. win the final quiz of the season big stakes here name all five teams Chelsea beat en route to the FA Cup final I'll get that yeah (sighs) (laughs) the thing gets me it's the first so let me go on the route, let's go backwards. I'm going to go, so Crystal Palace, Middlesbrough, Luton. Is that semi-final? Three from three so far. Three Plymouth. Plymouth is correct. And and this is the one that's, it's the non-league team, Field. It's third round, so it was never going to be a Premier League team. But he's toying with us. No, no, but I seriously struggled with the which field it is. No, what? he's on a wind-up. He's got a cigar on. <laughs> what are you talking about? No, seriously, it's like Chesterfield and Macclesfield. Field of dreams. It's not Huddersfield. Any other fields? I think. Football? You're a buffoon, Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit harsh. <laughs> uh, Chesterfield. Yeah. Chesterfield is correct. Without very much conviction, but you've won it, Simon. <laughs> What, what was a it? way to finish the season for you. I was good on four and a half. <laughs> Just... <laughs> you know, when I wrote that yesterday, I thought that is the most Chelsea route to an FA Cup final ever, isn't it? Chesterfield, Plymouth, Luton, Middlesbrough, Palace. My goodness me. Um, well done, Simon. That makes you the king of the quiz, I think. Certainly. For well, as I have been all season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. your, your Stein flow would beg to differ. Well... <laughs> Yes, no, I think how many months did it take me to actually win one? I think it was about, took me, remember all the banter about me sort of being like, um, I always said I was like the Norwich of the quiz. You got an assist from Mal Donaghy one week and never looked back. <laughs> engrave, <laughs> engrave that Darren Barnard trophy, Matt, for <laughs> If only we had the budget. Uh, right, before we go, let's have a chat about what's on the Athletic for Chelsea supporters to enjoy. And Dom, you've been putting the season under the microscope. No wonder that you got, well, only one of your two questions <laughs> right. Obviously, didn't look that closely at Romelu Lukaku. <laughs> it was about highlights. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, season review is up on the site, and we've got a piece on the player of the year that um, the that, that Liam and and Simon actually uh, voted for as well. Um, the Athletics Chelsea Player of the Year that goes up tomorrow on Friday. All right, I think I know who both you two will have voted for. Um, Sam, in terms of the club's official Player of the Year, I went Mason Mount. Did you go with that? I know Thiago Silva was getting a lot of love too. Should I have had a vote? 
Mm, you just can vote. It's, it's, yeah. it's open to anybody. Yeah, I would have gone. I would have gone for Mason Mount. Hundred percent is my yeah. answer. The numbers don't lie. Um, Simon, your piece on the magnificence of Mike Dean and his farewell still up there. Well <laughs> worth anybody's time who hasn't read it. What 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 else are you going to be working on? Can't believe you brushed over the whistle map. <laughs> part of that piece. Well, that was imagine- your input, was it specifically? So. You can imagine my delight when I was asked to do that. <laughs> To be honest, I struggled just drawing a football pitch. I, I, I was like, I haven't got a ruler. I, you know, I haven't got any utensils for this work of art. Anyway, um, what else am I working on? My sense of humour. Um, and still speaking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what holidays I could take, because clearly uh, everyone's fed up with me. And um, no, I, in all seriousness, I'm doing a piece um, that sort of touches on what the new Chelsea might look like and some of the early sort of things that are being discussed. Uh, Liam, it'll be time for my annual review soon. I'm doing my best to try and drive some subscriptions via the podcast link. Help me out a bit, will you? What are you writing about? Well, I've, as you mentioned, I've got my Fakaya Tamori piece up on site, which I'm still very keen for people to read. I had a, a wild Sunday in Reggio Emilia for that. Um, and I also had a little rifle through... Todd Bowley's metaphorical intray, uh, which is a piece that I know Adam Hurry would have enjoyed. Um, <laughs> and yeah, from the, from this point on, working on a piece about whether the numbers involved in the Chelsea sale actually make sense, the gargantuan figures that have been paid for this football club. And a couple of big, well, a couple of other big projects can't really talk about yet, but one which is kind of, more broadly looking about how Chelsea improve their recruitment process. Athletic.com slash Chelsea is the place to go to sign up. Um, Sam, it occurs to me, having gone straight from being a footballer to the world of broadcast media, you, you probably never had cause to use an in-tray, have you? Have you, have you ever even seen one? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think I have. I'm a little bit confused by all this, um, this chat of the last few days. Yeah, it's a kind of, uh, I don't know, plastic A4 size thing that you can put a stack of papers in. But <laughs> okay. Much more popular in the days before okay. email, but you, you can still find them. You can still find them. All right, we're taking a couple of weeks off now, but we will be back soon. We're going to do one show a week throughout the summer. Oh, Lucy's got an intray. There you go. That doesn't look like a plastic one either. I think that's much more. I'll have a pen and a pad. Maybe it's time I, I move to an intray. Yeah, I just think you might find they're a little bit redundant in 2022, but um, we know what to get you ever pull Sam for Secret Santa this year anyway. Um, where was I? Summer, yes. One show a week after we come back from a couple of weeks break. Well earned for, for all of us and particularly for you, listener, I'm sure. Many thanks for your company throughout this season. Thanks too to Liam, to Simon, to Dom, to Sam and to Lucy and to everybody else who's joined us throughout the campaign. Hopefully next season will be a little bit calmer, but it's Chelsea, so probably not. Thanks for listening. Speak to you soon. The Athletic.